Well, again, good morning. I am Joel, one of the pastors. Excited to jump in to 1 John chapter 2 with you this morning. Before I do that, though, um, I I want to just speak with you about a couple of things that are happening in our world. Uh, We like to do this every so often just to let you understand how we at Chapel Point make decisions and how we are moving forward and why we move forward the way we do. Um, Because right now, more than ever, we're in a season of having to make decisions. That's what we're doing. Everybody has to. A lot of times, some people, they just want to sit with making no decision, and um, we feel it's our responsibility to make certain decisions here uh, at this church. And some of you are wanting to, I think it may help you, maybe even give you language to know why we're doing what we're doing. Um, First, all of our decisions here at Chapel Point are just bathed in prayer. So I hope this is a model. Part of the reason I'm telling you this, I hope it's a model for you in your home. As you're making decisions about even what Pastor Luke and Catherine were speaking about before. Do you send your kid to school? Do you not send them to school? Do you homeschool? Do you online school? Um, I'm telling my kids they just never need, they don't need school. And um, I'm kidding, you don't do that. Don't do that. Um, no, but like, there's just so much going on. And so uh, I think the way you make decisions is, is crucial. So what we do is we pray a lot here as leaders at Chapel Point about what God is wanting and what he's wanting us to do. Uh, One of the things we pray for often is that we never make decisions out of rebellion or out of pride, but that we make decisions that allow us to accomplish God's goal for us, which is to multiply, to make transformed followers of Jesus, to influence others toward Jesus. And we believe that the world, we know that the world, if you look at the studies, there's more stress and anxiety and worry, mental health that's taking place right now. They say the amount of that that's to come in the next year or two is staggering more than ever before. And we go, well, then how do we better do that? And so we make decisions so that we can best influence others toward Jesus to something that we know to be eternal and not simply temporary. And I want to say, I just want to take this time to say thank you because the support of the people, not only from this church, but even from other churches, local churches, has been overwhelming in how we are trying to lead in making decisions and um, trying to engage in that weird place where we feel isolated at times because what we're not going to do is um, big dog, we're not going to be dogmatic and legalistic and this is what we're doing no matter what nor are we going to simply not make decisions so that we offend no one. And so we live in that place of tension, of trying to represent and to reflect Jesus Christ no matter what. Uh, We also want to be able to speak for Jesus Christ no matter what. And we want to make sure people know that uh, the reason we live the way that we live, the reason we believe faith will always be greater than fear, it doesn't eliminate fear, but it allows you to make healthy decisions um, in the midst of confusion. The reason we're able to do that is because of who Jesus Christ is and what he means for us. And I hope that you're down with that. I hope that you're down with how we're trying to move forward and trying to make those decisions as healthy as we can. Because then you have people and things that happen even to a fellow church right down the street, the corner that was vandalized. And and that's not God's desire, guys. Can we be better than that? Um, this morning before the first service, I tapped on somebody's shoulder, and immediately they turned around real quick, and I, I thought I was about to lose my life. And I'm like, oh, and they're like, I know, I'm just so jumpy and a- anxious right now. And a lot of people are like that. 
But if you have the confidence that God is who he says he is, that he will do everything he's promised to do, that he's never changed, that he will fulfill everything that he's ever said that he would fulfill, then all of a sudden, you know what you can do is you can lower the hands. And you can walk forward in life differently. And you can have confidence in knowing who he is. You down with that? That's who Chapel Point is. Because that's who God has called us to be. Let's be that. And so, God, I come before you and I thank you for these brothers and sisters, whether they're online, another venue in this place. God, I give you thanks for them and I ask that you bring encouragement to their hearts. That no matter the strife, the hardship they're walking through, may they recognize that they can lower their hands because you are their defense and that you've got it covered. May you receive all glory today. Amen. Amen. Can I invite you to open up to 1 John chapter 2? So get out your phone if you need to, if you have a Bible app on that, um, or get out the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, grab one from the back. We'd love to gift that to you and just take it, whatever you need. You have a friend who needs one, take take one of them. We don't care. Um, But 1 John chapter 2 right after first and second Peter and it's this wonderful wonderful book that's written by John same guy who wrote the gospel of John same guy who God used to write the book of Revelation and so here he is and he's writing we already know to second or third generation believers probably 60 or so years after the time of Jesus's death and resurrection and he's writing to them because very quickly they're stepping away from their faith and they're stepping away from the church and we're going to look at why because he addresses that Um, but first one of the things that West Michigan is blessed with is awesome parks awesome places to walk I know a couple of the nights this last week we went watched the sunset at Tunnel Park over in Holland we go to the ravines a good bit right over here and we take walks we've got some amazing places to go and walk and as we're walking recently uh, with my family we're there and at the ravines all the corn has started growing in Um, and so my son without me fully aware he went over and he grabbed a small ear of corn. I said, man, that's people's, like, that's their living. You can't take their stuff. And, but, but I said, but that's the best kind. Why don't you eat that? Um, and so if you're from, I'm from the south, right? So you, uh, you know what this is. If you do this, what's this called? Shucking. It's not peeling. So he shucked the ear of corn, right? That's what this is, right? What is this? Corn. Go ahead and say, it. what is this? You got to get this, all right? So he starts doing it, and he's looking at it, and he's like, oh, man, okay. I was like, man, that's actually when it's, like, the best. Um, You got to try that. You got to try that. So this is what he does, um, and he tries it, and let's just say it's not very good. Um, So I told him he just got a bad one. Try another one. Um, (laughs) So I didn't, I would not, I would not do that kind of thing. Um. So he, he takes it, and he's got it, and he's like, oh, okay, that was horrible. Um, and, I, I, of course, I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not mature. It's not grown. Like, it's, come on, it's, it's a baby corn. Like, there's nothing to it. And you, you got to recognize it's not developed. It's not mature. It's not going to be sweet yet because I don't care, even if you don't like any kind of fruit or vegetables at all, a good piece of sweet corn right out of the, the boiling pot of water, lather that thing up with about four pounds of butter and some salt. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. There you go. You're there. Come on. 
Fried okra? Give me an amen. Fried chicken liver? Give me an amen. I'm just kidding on that. Uh Uh-uh. I can't do fried chicken liver. I got my limits. Um, so all of a sudden you're like, uh, he's tasting this. And so I'm like, man, you, you got to have better. And he didn't take it but in that moment. But all of a sudden I'm like, no, this is the good stuff. So what you do, you got the small ear of corn. And then you start shucking this one right here, right? And, uh, oh, man, even the coloring of it's different, right? This is, look at this. Like, I mean, you can see the difference. This is starting to, I mean, it's not there yet to me, but it's starting to get there, and you take it. And that right there, man, I'm telling you, it's a little bit of Jesus coming back. (laughs) So good. So good. And ironically, this very thing, because this this reminds me, this reminds me of Mark chapter 4. I'm going to have lots of passages that I'm not going to necessarily give you time to automatically go to, but you're going to want to jot them down real fast. So just to entertain me on this, it's just, I'm just asking you to write down the word of God. No big deal. All right. So Mark chapter 4, it reminds me of verse 28. It says, the earth produces by itself, right? First the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in an the ear. So what it's saying is it matures. It starts very young. It just starts to sprout. Then all of a sudden here comes this and all of a sudden it matures and it becomes this. That's Mark chapter 4 and it's talking about what it is to grow in Christ, to, to really move forward in him. Ironically, that's what John is trying to do in 1 John. He's trying to get them to understand. Listen, second, third generation believers, they're falling away from the church and from faith. Why? Because all of a sudden they were told, identify as corn. But then they just said, okay, I'm a Christian, right? But they never grew. They never matured. They never became transformed followers. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we use that a lot here at Chapel Point because it talks about being that transformed following by the renewing of your mind. And so as a result, all of a sudden, this is actually what was taking place. It's no different than today. This is what's happening. All of a sudden, you got this small little piece of corn. People going, oh, I'm a Christian, but nobody's actually growing and maturing. That's why we're all about teaching the fullness of the word of God here. Some people would say, just teach the basics. No, no, we have biblical illiteracy that is rampant today. We need to allow the fullness of the word of God, and there will be nothing better in your life to drip into your heart so much that it just bleeds out of you. So that's why John's writing to them like, listen, you want to know why there's so many people walking away? It's because you told them, make sure you claim Jesus. And so they claim Jesus, but they never matured. In fact, even other people would look at their life and they would go, no, I I don't want any of that because I know that it's not sweet. I know that it's going to be, it's going to be it's the right the, or the wrong texture. It's not going to be something that I actually want to consume. They don't want this. Don't let your mom, kids, don't, whether, no matter where you are, don't let your parents tell you this is actually good. But I think that's what we've done with Christianity. As long as you say, hey, at least I'm corn, and then we stop growing, and as a result, those individuals are falling away from Scripture, they're falling away from Christ, they're falling away from church, and the reason is because we've actually never matured. So that's what we see in this very passage. And, and John lays it out so beautifully. What he's going to do is he's going to help us understand that we have to embrace a relationship with Jesus, not just claim the truth that he is the Lord. There's a difference. 
embracing that relationship because that's how we grow. That's how we start to be transformed. We know that transformation is not a one-time event. It's a continual what? It's a continual process, dead on. And we want to keep doing that. So today, what a great way for us to be challenged to go, are, are we growing? Are we maturing? Is it something that others see and go, yeah, I, I want that. That looks good. Or does it look much different? The way that we're choosing to live our life, the way that we respond to other people, the way that we are interacting with other people, the way that we are actually speaking of who God is. Uh, right now, one of the saddest things to me is there's so much. One of, the, one of the goals of Chapel Point is I would love to see territorialism just wiped away amongst churches. That's why we love our, our fellowship that we have with Wellspring and Fairhaven and Redemption and Grace Community and other churches and Keone and all these brothers and sisters in Christ. It's just awesome to see. And I love that, and we pray for them regularly. We're going to keep praying for them. But I tell you what, it's hard to remove territorialism. So here we are. We're trying to jump into the world, and yet churches can't even get along within their church. The unity of Chapel Point is one of the most powerful things that we have going for us. That's why I will fight to protect it at all costs because it's one of the most significant things that we have because here's a world that's divided and does anybody else see that no matter what you believe that you're automatically going to be pitted against someone else? Anybody else feel like that right now in today's world? Yeah. And yet Christianity says, I don't know, if you're brothers and sisters in Christ, you can be unified in knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord and the power behind that to move forward to create a, to create a wake of love and grace and redemption and forgiveness is wonderful. So here he is. He, he calls this out. And I want to read just 12, 13, and 14 for, for us. I'm going to go through 17 today. But listen to this because he's even going to show us the process of maturation in this passage. It's awesome. I'm going to simplify this so much you can be like, yeah, we're, going to, we're all going to step out together, leave this place, and go do it, right? So here he is. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Now just look real quick. Here, here's what it says. What's this say right here? Little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sakes, I am writing to you what? So now it's gone from little children to fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And then I am writing to you what? Young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you what? Children, because you know the father. I write to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. What he's doing is even looking at children and fathers and young men, he's showing a progression of maturing. He's showing a progression of transformation of how they have moved from not only claiming this and, and saying, yes, this is truth. I'm, I'm going to be a piece of corn. Or I, I am a believer in Jesus Christ to how they're maturing and growing into something more than what they thought was possible. So he lays this out for them, and he's showing the maturing process for God's children. Teaching that there are levels of spiritual maturity, and we want to just keep growing. We want to keep maturing no matter what we're doing. And so here, he's, show, he's calling this out. And for us here at Chapel Point, we'd say it's this, it's this spiritual maturity. It's a process. Spiritual maturation is a process. We refer to it as a journey of transformation. 
You're going to hear that a lot for the coming years. It's just the journey of transformation, journey of transformation. And it's believe. You've got to believe first, and then you start to grow. And then you're willing to sacrifice. Then you're willing to serve. And then you're willing to lead. And we're all in different stages of that. And we move back and forth. But it's all rooted and grounded in the word of God, not in our preferences. And so we jump into that journey of transformation so that we, too, can mature. So look at this, if you would. Uh, can we go back to verse 12, please? That would be great. I, I want to, I didn't do this before. I want to make sure you see what's happening. So here's this with children, with fathers, with young men. He's calling out, hey, listen, if you're maturing, this is what you start to see. One, little children, if you're young in your faith, you recognize your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Now that right there, just leave it up here because that right there is where a lot of people have stopped. Right? We go to church maybe when you're young. Maybe you hear a message somewhere um, at a conference or whatever you might be going to. And people go, hey, you just need to know that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23, all of sin falling short of the glory of God. And so you need to have faith in him and recognize the love of the Father. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. And so then you go, oh, okay, yeah. And as long as you do that, you're good. And for the young person... That's all you need, right? Your sins are forgiven now. You're good. But there's a process. There's a journey of transformation that needs to continue. Because he says, listen, I'm writing to you fathers. Why? Because you actually know him who is from the beginning. Now, remember, this is John speaking. So in John chapter 1, verse 1, he speaks about that about him being from the beginning. And the gospel, and that's 1 John 1, 1. Also in the gospel of John chapter 1, verse 1, he speaks about that. We go back to Genesis, and it talks about knowing him from the beginning, that he is creator. It even goes into Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so as a result, you know he's from the beginning. Let's keep going to the next slide, if you would. And then he says, young men, you've, you've overcome the evil one. Children, you know the Father, and he keeps going. But in verse 14, it says that you know him who's from the beginning, and that it says that you are strong. So now you're being strengthened in that process of transformation, that process of maturing. Are you stronger now today in your understanding of who Christ is than you were a few months ago? It's a big question. Because if you're walking through that process of maturation, you're also being strengthened. You're stronger than you were. And once again, you've overcome the evil one. Satan, bring what you have. I know who wins. Right? That's that, that process of maturation. So this is what we see, verse 12, 13, and 14. It helps you to very simply to go, oh, okay, is that what we're doing? Are we being strengthened? Are we overcoming the evil one? What are, are we abiding in the word? Right? We love that word abide, right, because it means to dwell with, to be saturated by, to be overcome with. And you just, you're, you're just, wow, inundated with God's goodness. And so 15, 16, and 17, really what we have is the result. If, if you are maturing, if you are being transformed, let me tell you, part of the way you're, you're, you're going to look, part of the way your life will be, and this is what it says. It says, do not love the world. So if you're maturing, if you're growing, if you're being transformed, you're not going to love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now that right there, big words. If anyone loves the world, and we're going to define, let me, I'll, I'll, let me define world for this passage. Because we live in this world. Does God hate everything? Is that what this is saying? No, what this is saying is the world would be anything that opposes God. So it's, a, it's a simple way of thinking about it. That which opposes God. So if it's an idol right? You should hate it. If you're more concerned about something that's temporary than you are that which is eternal in the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, then you've got a problem there. So he's saying, listen, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, he's not even, it's not even in you. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And then it concludes with, and the world is passing away. Those things that are opposed God are going to pass away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I'm going to give you one phrase, if you would just fill in these blanks, because I think it summarizes a very important passage. This is what it says. The maturing follower of Jesus lives for God's glory and God's purpose. Oh. I want you to be careful with this because some of, you are, some of you already corrected my grammar. You're like, it should just be the mature follower. No, the maturing. It's a process. It's continual. You keep growing. That's where I want you to camp out for a moment. The maturing follower of Jesus lives for God's glory and God's purpose. The maturing, the one who's constantly growing, right? You're moving from this to this. You're learning more of his truth and his word and his promises, and it's soaking into you, and it's, it's penetrating those barriers that you have in your life that Satan has put there, and you're going, wait. The maturing follower of Jesus lives for God's glory, God's purpose, not that which opposes God, things of the world. So here he is. God, the corn's getting everywhere. Um, listen to this. Verse 16. For all that is in the world. And so here he, he even helps to define that which opposes God, the things of the world that are standing against him. And he's going to give you three things. Get ready on this. You've got to write this down. The desires of the flesh, that's the first thing. So when you think about the desires of the flesh, love of the world, you can go to Genesis chapter 3. You can also jump into Matthew chapter 4. And you're going, what do you mean desires of the flesh? And Well, Adam and Eve. <laughs> Ever heard of the apple? That's even going to go into the next one a little bit. But then I think about Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 we know, right? Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes to John the Baptist, says, I need you to baptize me. John the Baptist says, I'm not worthy to even untie your sandals. He says, I need you to baptize me. So he says, fine, I'm going to baptize you. He baptizes Jesus, the Son of God. And then he begins in Matthew chapter 5, his messianic ministry, and preaches the Sermon on the Mount off the Sea of Galilee, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But before he does that and begins that ministry, what happens in Matthew 4? He goes into the desert where he goes for how many days? Perfect. So he goes into the wilderness for 40 days into the desert, and there he's tempted by who? The evil one. Perfect, Satan. So there he is, 
and all of a sudden, talk about desires of the flesh, he's, he's, he has no food or anything else. And so one of the things that Satan does is like, hey, I'll give you some bread. Just give me the kingdoms. Don't worry about it. So he starts to appeal to the desires of the flesh. That's what it's talking about here. So all of a sudden, if you're maturing, one of the things that you're willing to do is you're willing to confront. Everybody loves confrontation, right? Great. So you're you're willing to confront the struggles of the world, those things. You're going to confront the things that are opposing God. Desires of the flesh, it even says desires of eyes. I I love this because right here, uh, James chapter 1, verse 14. Scribble that one down if you would, because that's the second thing. It's not only desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes. James 1, 14, it says the following. It says, but each person is tempted. Listen, this is when you're tempted. You give in to certain things, and then you blame God, but this is what it says. It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire by his own eyes he sees something and he says I want that it may not be of God but that's what I want right and so you run over there and so he's saying listen if you want to be transformed if you want to keep moving and maturing in Jesus Christ you're going to then stand up and say hey I'm going to confront the struggles of the flesh these desires I'm going to confront the struggle that I have with the desires of the eyes and then he also says even the pride of life Verse 16, right there for us. The pride of life. Tell you what, we, um, we love to feel good about ourselves. And it's, it's a really hard tension because you want to find fulfillment in who God has made you to be, who God has made you to be. And so here he's saying, listen, here's one of the struggles that you're going to have to really work on is the pride of life. Matthew 23, 12. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be uh, exalted. James 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. I don't, I, I don't know about you. I don't want to wake up in the morning and go, man, I'm going to be prideful. I know God's going to oppose me, but no big, no big deal. I got this. We're going to confront these desires of the flesh, these desires of the eyes, this pride that we have in life, and we're going to recognize that that's against, that's opposed to God. And so we're going to be willing to really walk and to step into that very thing. That's why he tells us in these passages, verse 15, once again, do not love the world. Another way of thinking about it, do not love anything that is opposing God. If anyone does... The love of the Father is not in him. Are you maturing in Christ, right? It's this this hard thing, and we're constantly battling with it. Because actually our society, in many ways, it teaches us, hey, find your destination, and once you get there, you're good. Find your, I'm a Christian, I'm good. And then we feel like we can relax and there's no, no more pressure on, right? 
You know, my goal is to do this. I'm just going to get out. I'm going to make it through high school. And that's a, you're like, I'm there, done. Or maybe you're like, I just want to be able to say that I am a teacher. So you go through and you feel like, okay, you're finally, maybe you're 28, you're finally a teacher, and you walk through, you got a master's, you did all this stuff, awesome, and now you're a teacher and you're good, and you think you're set for the next 35 years, 40 years, then you retire, you're going to hold babies, grandkids, and then like great-grandkids, and then maybe one day you go see Jesus. And that's how we actually think about life. And what makes it, here's the problem with that. Is there an expectation for constant growth in Jesus in the midst of that? So sometimes we can resist that type of understanding. A simple way to say it is that believers, if you're a follower of Jesus, a transformed follower of Jesus, you are to hate that which opposes God. Now I know that's strong language, but it's in the scripture. It's in Scripture. So we need to not just look at the life and, and to go, oh, I really want this pride of life, flesh of the eyes, or, or, or the, the desires of the eyes, desires of flesh. I, I know, yeah, I, know, I shouldn't do that, but I'll get better. We need to look at that which is separating us from God with a disgust and a hatred because we know of how good God is. See, one of the reasons I believe that the, the church isn't having a greater impact today is because I think the world looks at us and just says, well, they, they, they claim different, but I tried it, and it's, yeah. You're walking with me on this, right? Yes? And then you actually get upset with other people. Why don't you just want this? Why don't you want this? I, I want this. I want the good stuff. Did you know that Jesus, that's the good stuff. It doesn't get any better. And so when we look at this, we go, wait. Philippians 3.20, it says, in Philippians 3.20, we're not even... We can rest assured because we're not even citizens of this world anyway. It says we're citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20. And if you recognize that you're citizens of heaven, don't you want more of this anyway? Like you're like, yeah, that's where I'm going. And the humility, that's why I think he talks about the pride of life, the humility it takes to recognize that you're only this, but you want to become this. Some of us can't even say that. I'm not mature enough. I want to grow more. Some of us struggle. If you struggle to even say it out loud, you're probably not trying to live it out. So how do you know what to oppose, what to hate? How do you know? Well, you examine everything through the Word of God. Everything. Everything has to go through the Word of God. This fall, I'll probably start in the September, early October. Let's be honest, we don't know really when. Um, starting a new series called Speak. And this is going to be addressing the biblical issue, giving biblical language to the issues of life. So we're going to take the, some of the biggest issues today, things like racism and things like politics and things like suffering 
and we're just going to take it and we're going to pour it out and let it filter through the entirety of the Word of God. And then whatever comes out through the Word of God, there's our answer. We good with that? That's why we say this impacts your preferences. Your preferences don't interpret this. Please, someone, amen. Because the world is saying, no, your preferences, your preferences, your preferences. Don't hate that which opposes God. And so then you start to collapse and you start to cave in. And you're like, why am I stepping away? It's because you're still this and you're never this. Because you're not abiding in him. It says to abide with the eternal God. To to, to dwell with the eternal God. To allow Jesus Christ to jump into your heart and to jump into your life. So that when you step out of this place, guys, this is just a starting point for you to go I get to worship the creator now I'm going to go worship out there with everything I say do and speak that's what we need I don't I don't want this I want this The maturing follower of Jesus lives for God's glory. Here it comes. Boom. And God's purposes. I'm inviting you. Like, there's nothing more than we want to do here at Chapel Point than to step in and walk that journey with you. So what you don't hear today is, go do this and go do that. And then like, oh, you better go. No, what you hear today is, man, there's so much more. Let's start learning what it is to oppose anything that opposes God because we so recognize the beauty of his love and the beauty of his grace, the beauty of his forgiveness, that we want to grow in that, mature in that. And the more we mature in that, the more we can be that transformed follower that is a reflection of the almighty God. And what we're letting you know is we will do anything to help you on the journey anything you down you in for this yeah or no I mean like just you can say no I'll just pray for you more are you in Let's do it together. God, may your love, God, may your peace, may your comfort just flat out inundate, overwhelm, consume every brother and sister watching online or in this place or wherever they are in this building, God. Lord, I just inundate them. Just show them your love. May each one of us, and as your church collectively, may we be transformed together. What a great journey to be on. May we mature together. As followers of Jesus Christ, you've given us such a beautiful gift and the forgiveness and of the love and of the mercy of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. May we respond appropriately as we make much of you and far less of ourselves.
We love you and we praise you, Lord. Amen.